0: Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. It's BangTheBook.com's MLB Betting Podcast for Monday, March 30th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Amazon Guide still available over there for purchase, $4.99 PDF form guide available for free over at bangthebook.com. Again, obviously, we don't know when this season is going to start, if this season is going to start, but for those that did buy the Amazon Guide, we'll try to figure something out. So keep the screenshot of your purchase or whatever else that you got sent to your email. Um, At some point in time, we'll set something up for you to send those over and we'll figure something out for next year because uh you know hey obviously i mean i I put over a hundred thousand words of work into that mlb betting guide you put some money into it to buy it over there on amazon and now we don't know when the season's going to start how many games there are we appreciate your support we appreciate you checking that out uh but obviously here you know some uncharted territory to say the least so for those that did buy this season's guide over on amazon uh, we'll figure something out for you here in the not too distant future so that we can set you up for next year's, or you know, figure something else out at that point in time. But again, that free PDF over at bangthebook.com. Got some other coverage over at book.com as well. Took a look at some NBA draft prop odds. Did that yesterday. We've been doing a lot of horse racing stuff as well. We'll be covering a lot of stuff with the NFL draft, which is coming up here on April 23rd, and we'll probably do some college football power rating stuff. Some stuff looking at. Maybe some strength of schedules, some interesting scheduling spots, looking at the new head coaches, uh, stuff like that, because we got plenty of time to take a look at college football over at bangthebook.com, so we'll be doing that here pretty shortly as well. Normally, my Monday format for the betters box would be to take a look beyond the box score, recap the weekend that was in Major League Baseball, kind of highlight some different things, go down the lines with a line report, evaluating some of the line moves that we saw In the previous games, I'd give you a pick or two for Monday night, and then I would preview the week ahead with some interesting spots, looking at pitching matchups and some of the other stuff that's going on out there. But obviously, I don't have any of that to do. You know, no baseball right now, as we all know. Uh, Who knows when it will come back around. Some talks, obviously, going on between the players and the Players Association. So maybe they can start hammering out some of these issues that will be coming up here in the next CBA so maybe we don't have another downtime without baseball here because of a labor stoppage but you know to this point they're just kind of trying to figure out this year figure out how they're going to pay guys uh you know what's going to happen in terms of service time and things like that so a lot of baseball news just not a whole lot that we can apply from a betting context but you know what we'll try to make the most of it here on this edition of the betters box and I will start with a look beyond the box score, and obviously that means going back to last year, but a few different things I wanted to point out to you here on today's segment. And one of the things I wanted to start with was that last year, and really for the last several years, the first inning has been the highest scoring inning of the game. Last year, there were 2,814 first inning runs, an average of 0.58 first inning runs per game. 1,524 of the 4,858 first innings in the regular season had runs. Now, a lot of people do like to go out there and bet that first inning yes or no prop. So 31.4% of the time, a team scored in the first inning last season. Separate games necessarily. So I don't know how many games there were where one team scored and one team didn't in the first inning. But overall, on the whole, here, 31.4% of the time a team did score in the first inning last year. It was 29.7% in 2018. It was still the highest scoring inning, 1,444 of the 4,862 first innings. 1,510 out of 4,860 in 2017, that was 31.1%. And then 1,498 in 4,856 first innings in 2016, 30.8%. Again, the highest scoring inning. And to get to that 4860 number or thereabouts, there are 2,430 Major League Baseball games every year. So multiply that by two, you get 4860, the number of first innings that we have. Now, of course, what we see here is that the two highest uh, first inning scoring rates over the last four years were 2019 and 2017 as we know the baseball was altered a little bit in 2018 which was the lowest at 29.7 percent now we don't know exactly how the baseball is going to play here for the 2020 season however much of it we actually get but what we do know is that there was a lot of talk last year about offense about home runs about the baseball and about what had changed, you know, with the physics of the baseball, with the way that it was constructed, all that different type of thing. The expectation for us this year was that we would have a different and deader baseball relative to what we saw last year, probably something more in line with the 2018 season. If that winds up being the case, the first inning will still be the highest scoring inning, but we'll probably see fewer runs over the first innings, because a lot of these runs were scored with things like solo home runs or back-to-back doubles or something like that. So if we do have a decrease in home runs, we probably do end up with a decrease in first inning scoring. Now, it probably will still be the highest scoring inning, I would think, but maybe not at 31.4% or 31.1%, something like that, with the rate of runs in the first inning maybe 29.7%, something closer to what we can expect. So with that in mind, we'll have to see if there are any alterations to the first inning, yes or no pricing and see if maybe that's something that we want to take an extended look at here for this upcoming season. Last year, the Cincinnati Reds who ironically enough, were not a good offensive team at all. They were a bottom third offensive team in a lot of different categories But they led Major League Baseball in first-inning runs with 132. So they actually got off to some decent starts, but it was everything else where they kind of struggled last year. Rangers were second with 125 first-inning runs. The Mets were third with 120. Then the Astros and the Nationals tied for fourth with 109. Interestingly enough, the Reds, who didn't hit for enough power last year, didn't score enough runs last year. They lead in first-inning runs, and they lead in first-inning home runs with 46. So I thought that was a pretty interesting statistic there, to say the least. The teams that scored the fewest first-inning runs, none of them are a surprise. The Marlins only scored 49 first-inning runs last season out of their 162 games. The Tigers with 62, the Giants with 65, the Blue Jays with 71, and the Padres with 73. Now, of course, there's been a lot of player movement. A lot of things have changed, stuff like that. But it does really help to score first. If you can find teams that score first in a lot of their games, that's generally going to help them. you at a team like the Rangers, for example, that were an overachiever last season. If you look at the alternate standings metrics, they should not have been, I believe, 79 and 83. They should have been lower than that. But scoring first goes a long way. You know, it does go a long way. There is a high correlation between scoring first and win percentage. So maybe that's something that did help the Rangers a little bit. Now, of course, interestingly enough, we've got the Rangers in a different ballpark here now where we don't exactly know how that stadium is going to play. May take some of the power dynamics away. And in fact, if we look at the teams that allowed the most first inning runs, the Orioles allowed the most with 126. Pirates, second, 123. Rangers, third, 122. Rockies and White Sox were next with 119. So, what we saw is that the Rangers had a lot of first inning runs in their games last season. Perhaps that won't be the case here this season. So, maybe some first five unders, maybe some first inning no's, stuff like that. Again, obviously, we'll need to see these dynamics play out. It's all speculation at this point in time. But again, you know, you've got a Rangers team that scored a lot in the first inning and gave up a lot in the first inning. And if you're betting unders in Rangers games, all of a sudden you're chasing a number now because you know, that live betting number probably a couple of runs higher than where it would have been you know, pregame. So that may be a dynamic that does change a little bit with the Rangers, something that maybe we do want to follow a little bit closer here. As far as the teams that allowed the fewest runs, in the first inning last year the a's and the twins were tops with 67 the indians were next with 69 then the phillies interestingly enough with 75 and the blue jays another surprising team there with 76 now the a's twins and indians all very very smart all very analytically savvy uh, front offices and organizations that could play a role in terms of you know, their game prep and stuff like that so that may be something that you want to consider as well. You know, the teams that you would expect to have the strongest advanced scouting, the strongest blueprints and plans, maybe those are teams that do fare the best in terms of run prevention early on in games. So maybe there is an angle to exploit a little bit there as we go forward as well. Now, a lot of people these days will only bet first fives because they don't want to deal with the volatility at the back end of the game. And it is true. A lot of bullpens are inherently volatile. There's a lot of high variance at the ends of games, or so we feel like. You know, it's one of those things where we always remember the bad beats, the bad things that happen, stuff like that. Here's the reality of it. Generally, year to year, and this could change now with the three better minimums. So that is something to keep in mind. But generally speaking. Teams with a lead after five innings are going to win about 84 or 85% of the time. Last year, it was 84%. 1,753 wins, 333 losses with a lead after five innings. 340 games were tied at the end of five. So, you know, those first five pushes do seem like they happen a little bit more frequently than the data would actually suggest. But again, the team that had the lead won 84 percent of the time taking a lead into the sixth inning so that would be the deciding factor there of your first five bet now a team of the lead after six innings won 87.4 percent of the time and a team of the lead after seven innings won 91.6 percent of the time so again obviously there is a degree of variance at the end of a game there is a lot of volatility with these bullpens and how managers deploy their relievers and stuff like that. But if you're following along with a game, convert that live betting line into the implied probability, start factoring in situations and lineups and bullpen availability and relievers and stuff like that, and decide if, you know, hey, I think this team does win this game, you know, more than 15% of the time, which is what the implied line is suggesting. Or I think this team's going to win this game you know, more than 12% of the time, which is what the implied line is suggesting. It's one of those things that you do want to look, take a close look at for a variety of different reasons. You know, 15% implied probability is a line of about plus 567. So if you're looking at a live betting line and you see a team is, you know, plus 600 plus 650, something like that live. And you think there's a better chance of that, of them coming back than 15%, maybe that's kind of the deciding factor for you. But again, Live betting, you can get down a very slippery slope with that as well. So I think the best approach really is to try and keep it as simple as you possibly can. And one of the things that I like to do with regards to betting first fives versus full games is that I will look at bullpen usage. I will look at the recent workloads for a lot of these guys. If a lot of the primary relievers have thrown three games in four days or something like that, I'll probably be more inclined to bet a first five than to play a full game. Now, of course, you've got a lot of these pitchers that are conditioned to perform well in back-to-backs, in threes and fours, stuff like that. Where it really gets dicey for me is four and five or four and six. Because that's where you start to lose a little bit of velocity. You start to lose a little bit of command. Maybe the stuff isn't quite as sharp. So, you know, if I see guys and managers tend to try to shy away from using guys, you know, three days in a row, stuff like that. Obviously, lefty specialists, it's a little bit different. But even now, lefty specialists, depending on when they're deployed, may have to go out there and throw 20 or 25 pitches because of that new three batter minimum. So I'm going to be taking a very close look here at reliever usage with my determinations between betting first fives or betting full games baseballpress.com slash bullpen usage is a very good one for this uh roster resource which is a, a, a you know side pro- not side project but a uh a, a feature over at fan graphs roster resource also takes a look at recent bullpen usage so that's a very important thing to me and I think it will be an even more important thing now with that three batter minimum with some guys running up higher pitch counts with managers deciding to stick with relievers a little bit longer, stuff like that, bullpen dynamics are going to change a lot. And I think to a degree, a lot of people will shy away from them. A lot of people are only going to bet first fives and say, I don't want to F around with you know reliever usage at the back end of the game. On the flip side, I think there's an opportunity that this creates more full game betting value. You, know, you think about some of these bullpens that are out there And some of them are very, very top-heavy. You know, you've got a closer. You've got maybe a good setup guy or two. Maybe that's about it. Maybe you've got a top-heavy bullpen where some of these guys are going to have to pitch 80 games, and they're going to have to be multi-inning types of guys because the teams just don't have any other options. Well, on teams that have deeper bullpens, they're maybe better equipped for the new environment with the three batter minimum and stuff like that. So I think this even gives a leg up to the team with the better bullpen. And that's something I may look to exploit a little bit from a full game betting market standpoint. And obviously, too, we're going to have some unique dynamics, not just early in the season, but later in the season as well. Because these pitchers that are maybe used to having 70 or 80 appearances over 162 games, Are they going to have 50 appearances in 100 games? Are they going to have 60 in 100 games? You know, reliever deployment is going to be a very interesting topic over the course of the season here because starting pitchers are not going to be stretched out the same if we've got, you know, this this sped-up spring training. You've got the three-batter minimum now. Relief dynamics are going to be very, very important. So that's something that maybe I can use to my advantage here with some full game betting as this season goes along now is there a difference in terms of protecting leads between the American League and the National League and I thought this was very interesting last year with a lead after five innings AL teams had an 854 win percentage so they won 85.4 percent of their games with a lead after five innings on the flip side National League we're only at 826 with a lead after five innings. After six innings for the American League, 882, 866 for the National League, and then 923 with a lead after seven innings, 910 with a lead after seven innings in the National League. So that was kind of interesting to me that there was such a big gap in terms of protecting leads for the American League versus the National League. Now, Maybe the AL just had better bullpens overall. That could be the case. But also, too, you know, something that's kind of interesting to consider here a little bit is that you've got the pitcher hitting in the National League. Now, we would think that the National League would do better protecting these leads because you've got fewer pitchers facing guys for the third time through because you've got to pitch hit for them over the course of the game. So I thought that that was kind of interesting at the American League actually did better protecting leads even though you've got a lot of starters that face guys a third time through and stuff like that. So that was kind of interesting to me. Maybe something to watch here over the course of the season. In 2018, AL teams, an 842 win percentage with a lead after five innings. National League teams, 812. So that's really, that's a big gap, a 3% gap there with a lead after five innings. The ironic thing is that after six innings, 876 in the AL, 875 in the NL, and after seven innings, 915 in the AL, 917 in the NL. So a big gap after five innings, but then after six and after seven innings, both leagues effectively the same. So how do we potentially explain that? I don't know. It could just be variance. It could just be, you know, kind of a random occurrence, a happenstance. It could be something where, you know, these National League teams, they pinch it for the pitcher earlier on in the game, and then you don't want to use one of your primary relievers. After six innings, once you get to the seventh inning, you're going to start deploying your really good guys. So the sixth inning is kind of that gray area a little bit for a lot of these managers in that, They don't want to use their premier relievers. So they go to a lesser reliever. And maybe some of these lesser relievers aren't as good as some of these starters that are going through the lineup a third time. So maybe that's kind of something that we can take a look at here where maybe, and again, we've only got two years of data to really support this, but maybe AL teams are a little bit of a better bet for a full game than an NL team. Just because you've got that gray area in the middle of the game where you pitch it for a starter, you got to put somebody out there to pitch and you're not going to put one of your primary relievers out there. So yeah, just trying to find little edges, obviously a lot of time for study now with uh, nothing else really going on. So you know that's kind of an interesting thing that I sort of found here. When we go back to 2017, 8,33 win percentage for the American League with a lead after 5, 8,24 for the national league with a lead after five. So the gap wasn't nearly as big in 2017 as it was in 2018 and 2019. But also an interesting thing here too, is that the three year sample size here for the American league, it's gone up every year. So maybe American league teams just spending wiser with their bullpens, putting more financial investment into their bullpens. I don't know what the case may be there, But we saw the NL drop off from 2017 to 2018, get back to the 2017 win percentage in 2019, whereas the AL has been on a consistent increase over the last three years. So maybe that's something that we can consider here over the course of the season as well. Like I said, maybe just variance. Maybe there is some kind of correlation. But of course, too, keep in mind here that with the new CBA that's coming up, the National League is probably going to add the designated hitter. So maybe all this stuff goes out the window once we get to that point. But for 2019, things will remain the status quo, at least in terms of the lineup composition and rosters and and stuff like that. But keep in mind here, again, 16% of the time, your team will lose with a lead after five innings. So we always remember the bad ones, but consider that bullpen's Some of them may be higher variance than others. Some of those may have a higher degree of volatility than others. Maybe the first five is the way to go, but maybe it isn't. Again, look at reliever usage. Look at these bullpens. Stack them up next to each other, side by side, and you'll see. You know, maybe sometimes the deeper bullpen will be more worth on that full game look. Well, I guess we'll go down the lines here, even though I don't have any line moves to really talk about and evaluate. But again. There are some things to keep in mind with looking at the betting market, with looking at the odds screen. Being able to get out in front of a line move can be very, very beneficial for you in a money line sport here like Major League Baseball. Obviously, getting the best of the number is important in any sports betting market, but certainly here with Major League Baseball. So once again, the ERA is higher than the FIP and the XFIP the line is going to move in favor of that guy and that team. If the ERA is lower than the FIP and the XFIP, the line is going to move against that guy and that team. Another look here, left on base percentage. Again, I've seen a lot of line moves based on this here recently as well, especially the extremes. You've got a left on base percentage in the 60s percent range the line is probably going to move on that pitcher and on that team. If the left-on-base percentage is in the upper 80s or even the 90s, something like that, the line is very likely to move against that guy and against that team. So again, ERA, FIP, and XFIP, and left-on-base percentage are two very good indicators for projecting line movement in the Major League Baseball betting market. Now, with that being said, something we've seen a lot here, I talked about this on that Deep Dive podcast with Andy and Whale Capper, is that what we used to see is we would see these ERA, FIP, and X XFIP line moves, and the line would come down 25, 30, 35 cents or more, and then stay there. What we see a lot nowadays is that that line comes down 20, 25, 30 cents, and then we get some buyback before the first pitch. So maybe that buyback isn't a true line move. But what we see a lot in the MLB market is we see a lot of market manipulation. We see a lot of arbitrage from the big bettors and from the big groups that are out there. You know, maybe they're trying to get plus money both ways on a game that's kind of in that money line pick em range, as I like to call it. Maybe what they look to do is take minus 120, expect the line to go up, come back on the other side at plus 135. Well, what would be the point in that? What would be the function in that? Well, if you lay 120 to win 100 on the favorite, but you bet 100 to win 135 on the underdog, you've got an opportunity to break even if the favorite wins and make .15 units if the underdog wins. Now, obviously, if you're a $100 better, this difference of trying to scalp 15 cents or $15 as the case is, is not necessarily a big deal. But if you think about big groups that are very liquid and move a lot of money around, and all of a sudden you're thinking of it in the context of 12,000 to win 10,000 on the favorite and 10,000 to win 13,500 on the dog, that's potentially $1,500 that you can get risk-free. Why is it risk-free? Because you bet the favorite at a lower minus price than you bet the underdog at a bigger plus price. So again, the example here, if you could take minus 120 on a team, get in front of the market, get in front of that line move, and bet 120 to win 100, and then all of a sudden you can get the other side in a different book at plus 135 because that line has moved, And you can bet 100 to win 135. You break even if the favorite wins. You make money if the underdog wins. So you're looking for these money-making opportunities. Some people call them middles. Some people call it scalping or arbitrage. But the big groups will do this, which is why you'll see a significant line move overnight or at the early morning lines. And then if that line has moved enough, the market will come back in and look to make one of these arbitrage plays. Again, obviously, it doesn't mean much to you if you're making $15 profit, but if you can make $1,500 or $15,000 if you're liquid enough to move large sums of money, that's what big groups and very deep-pocketed individuals will do with Major League Baseball. So a lot of times, what you will see nowadays is that you will see that initial line move on the ERA, FIP, and XFIP discrepancy or left on base percentage, or just a pricing error out there in the market. And then you'll see that buyback. And it may not be for the full amount or something like that, but you can create these risk-free propositions just by being out there and getting out in front of the market. And again, this is something that by and large, a lot of big groups and deep-pocketed individuals will do. But as somebody who may be a $50 better or a $20 better or whatever else, You can watch the market for things like this, where if you like the opposite side of a number that moves early on, you can sit and wait on it, get it at a better price. Or if you decide you want to buy off of a bet, something like that, you can do that too. So if you're able to watch the market, you can get opportunities to get the best of the number or at least as good of a number as you can possibly get just by knowing what to look for and by knowing how the Major League Baseball market operates. So hopefully that makes sense to everybody out there. Uh, Arbitrage can be a little bit of a heavy topic. And for 99.9% of bettors, arbitrage isn't really going to be that big of a factor. But for that 0.1% out there that moves a ton of money, shapes the market, manipulates the market, they can do things like that. You know, there may be situations where some big group some big group out there really likes the underdog. So they throw a line out there, make a bet on that favorite, drive that number up, come back over the top, add a little bit of gamble there. But you can score some big wins that way if you're a big group, you know, calculating a lot of these things. If you're a modeler, big reason why the quant crowd really shapes the Major League Baseball betting market. There are a lot of interesting things out there with market manipulation a lot of head fakes a lot of air moves a lot of stuff like that and of course too another big thing is that the daily fantasy quant crowd that went from daily fantasy has now sort of shifted into the betting realm once they know a concrete lineup and they can run their models that will create some movements out there in the marketplace as well which is another reason why you may see some of these lines come back down or maybe see another wave of money on a favorite because Somebody is sitting out for the dog or something like that it is a very model-driven betting market. And so a lot of times you can see a lot of line swings one way or another. You can see those moves, see that buyback, all these different types of things. So the Major League Baseball line market is absolutely fascinating to keep an eye on. And I'll talk about that a lot in this down the line segment uh once we get some actual games and some actual things to take a look at. So I guess that's about it for today. We'll be back tomorrow on Tuesday. We'll talk some more horse racing stuff with Brian Blessing. Try to keep that one quite a bit shorter than we did uh, with the previous segment last week where we talked a lot uh, leading into the Florida Derby there uh, and that Wednesday card at Gulfstream Park. But we'll talk some more horse racing with Brian. Again, that'll probably be more like a half hour as opposed to the mega show we did last week. Another edition of the Better's Box will come your way on Thursday. And we'll do some NFL draft, some college football stuff here on Bang the Book Radio. In the not-too-distant future, obviously the draft coming up April 23rd. Our good friend Brad Powers has his power ratings out. He's already doing a lot of stuff for the college football betting market, so we'll probably get him on the show to talk about some of that. Uh, But we'll try to do everything we can here to keep you informed on Bang the Book Radio as well as over at bangthebook.com. Adam, at bangthebook.com for the notes to the bettors box. I didn't send those out on Thursday because I didn't have any to send out but I do have some to send out here for Monday. So I'll be getting those out to the listeners here uh, for today. But again, uh, appreciate all your support. Keep checking us out over at bangthebook.com. Check out the bangthebook.com sportsbook reviews as well. Sports will come back at some point. A lot of books offering a lot of really nice bonuses and offers right now. So check out those sportsbook reviews over at bangthebook.com. Uh, you're going to get some good opportunities with those. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.